Thanks for listening to the Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center podcast. For more information about the church and our ministries, go to bluffcityawc.com. And you can follow us on Facebook by liking our Facebook page, Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center, and find us on Instagram with our Instagram handle, bluffcityawc. There's a sweet presence of the Lord that's ushered itself into the building right now. Thank you. And it feels so good to be back gathered together with the body. Amen? There's something special that happens whenever we come together and we lift up the name of the Lord. We praise Him. I believe that we're experiencing that right now. Let's lift up our hands one more time all over this room. That's it. I hear your voices right now. I can't hear your words, but I can hear your voices right now. Why don't you just praise the Lord right now with your own words? Lord, we love you. Lord, we've never taken a moment in your presence for granted. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated, and uh, keep, stay with me for just a few minutes. I want to thank you all for being here today, once again, and I, I, I want to take an opportunity to thank you for sticking with us during these last couple of months. We've been doing uh, ministry a little bit differently, lots of phone calls, lots of text messages, lots of online ministry. And I want to thank you for your patience. I want to thank you for putting up with us in the online ministry as we kind of learned how to navigate some of those systems and some of those platforms that we've been using. And and I'm sure many of you have been kind of learning along with us how to engage on on that end of things. But I wanted to say publicly thank you for uh, your patience and, and, and for the level of engagement that you've shown in these last couple months. And uh, it, speaks, it speaks to your faithfulness. It speaks to your love for God. And uh, I appreciate it very much. And uh, I want to say uh, that we're going to be continuing the Wednesday night online ministry. Uh, Wednesday night, we're not going to be gathering in person on Wednesdays, but we're going to be doing our ministry online uh, at 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. And we're excited about everything that that's going to hold. I, I, I would... Uh, give you a word of advice. Um, many of us, me included, it's, it's new for me to uh, engage so much online with, with ministry and, and with what's going on. And when it comes to the ministry of your local church, I said this on Wednesday night in our meeting and I would just repeat it again. Uh, we need to prioritize that time. We need to prioritize that time whenever our local church goes online and uh, begins ministering, whether it's the voice of our pastor or the voice of some other minister at the church. We need to try to do our best not to multitask during that time, but we need to try our best to give that time our undivided attention. Amen? Amen. And uh, that's going to go a long way to keeping us all connected to what's going on in the church and to what the Lord's doing in His kingdom. Amen? Bishop Williams is going to be over here in just a little while. Uh, over in the sanctuary they're gathering and he wanted to take a few moments and address them and he'll be coming over and addressing us here in just a little while and just uh, speaking to us at the conclusion of our gathering today 
I want to turn our attention to a few passages of Scripture, if I may, this morning. And you don't have to stand because there's going to be a few lengthier readings. But if you've got your Bible with you or you have a device with you that you can follow along, I would like, uh, I would like as many as possible, since we don't have a screen, to maybe uh, share what's on your screen or, or if you have your Bible with you to look and see uh, and, and to read along with me together. I felt impressed a few days ago um, to, to minister on a certain topic from a certain passage. And any time that I stand before you and I minister the word of the Lord, uh, I want you to know it comes from a place of overflow, of uh, just my personal devotion and, and the time that I spend with the Lord. It's never uh, a product of just searching the pages of the Bible looking for a good message to preach, but it's always uh, just what the Lord's been dealing with me about uh, whenever I'm in my daily time with him. And, and that's the origin of, of, of this ministry today. Sometimes life presents us with something that makes us stop and ask, what does all this mean? Amen? We're in a collective moment like that. We have been for a while, and maybe it's been going on so long that it's kind of dulled us a little bit. And we've, that question has kind of faded into the back of our consciousness. But we, for the last couple of months, last several weeks, have been in the middle of a moment that makes us ask the question, what does all this mean? What's going on? And I want to speak this morning and minister for a little while about just making sense of life. Making sense of life. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 2, I'd like to begin reading there. Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Brother Keith. Acts chapter 2. And it's a familiar passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. In the New King James Version, here's what it says. I'm going to read uh, aloud, and you can follow along with me if you're able. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and they marveled and they said to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? There's that question. Whatever could this mean? The early church, the book of Acts church, was not afraid to be asked that question. The early church was not afraid to be asked that question but they were not afraid to ask that question of themselves even. Sometimes life 
hits us. Sometimes just what's going on in the world strikes us and leaves us with a question that sounds an awful lot like the one they ask here. What does all this mean? And we're left in a place where we have to start trying to make sense of life again. The curious person in Acts chapter 2 saw what was going on on the day of Pentecost and they asked, what does all this mean? There are people, if I could speak to our current times, there are people in the times that we're living in right now that are curious about God at a time like this. They're curious about the ways of God. They're curious about the plan of God. And they're asking that question or some form of it. What does all this mean? And they're trying their best to make sense of life. Maybe they're seeing something in Scripture. Maybe the times that we're living in has driven them back to a relationship with God. Back to the pages of Scripture. And they're seeing things revealed to them in Scripture that piques their interest. And that leaves them wondering, what's all this about? The first thing we can do when we're making sense of life is we have to experience the new birth. We have to be born again. Nothing about God, nothing about life as a New Testament person of God can make much sense until we have experienced new birth. Until we have had the kind of experience that is detailed to us us in Acts chapter 2. Where they repented of their sins. They were baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of those sins. And then the Spirit of God filled them. And it was evidenced by them speaking in a language that they had never learned or understood before. And the question that they asked, what does all this mean? They were standing there that day trying to make sense of life as they knew it. And the answer for them that day is the base answer that every single one of us has to experience. We must be born again. If we're really going to make sense of life, it's not a matter of gathering as much information as possible from as many sources as we can and trying to filter it all and trying to come down to a particular way of understanding what's going on around us. But if we don't do it within the context of a relationship with God, where we've been born again of the water and of the Spirit, then we will never receive the fullness of the answer to the question that we have in our spirit that is asking, what does all this mean? Acts chapter 10 is another passage of Scripture that I was drawn to. And I'll be honest with you, as you're turning to Acts chapter 10, I was reading through the book of Acts the other day. I've been reading in the book of Acts quite a lot these last several weeks. And I was reading, and I was in Acts chapter 17, which is where we'll go here in a minute. To be honest, that's where I, that was kind of my springboard. That's kind of where I, the Lord started to speak to me at. And there's this question, just a spoiler alert, this question is in Acts chapter 17 as well. And it made me begin to think. And I immediately cross-referenced that question in Acts chapter 17 with the question that we just read in Acts chapter 2. I thought, that's the same question they asked at Pentecost. So I went back and I read about it. And then I got to thinking, is this a question that appears another time in in the book of Acts? And I I knew that it did, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. So I did a search in my Bible. I searched for a particular word, Brother Hunter, and I found it eventually. And it's here in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. This is a little bit of a story, but stick with me for a second. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. 
a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household. He gave, gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Verse 7, when the angel of the Lord spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And so he had explained to, every, to them everything that had just happened, and he sent them to Joppa. Verse 9 says, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Simon Peter went up on the housetop to pray at about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and he saw heaven opened. And an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him to let down to earth. And in this sheet was all kinds of bird, all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came to Peter and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter, verse 17, now, while Peter wondered within himself, he was, he was perplexed, perplexed inwardly as to what this vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who had sent from Cornelius made inquiry at Simon's house and stood before the gate and they stood and they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. When this vision was completed, the scriptures tell us that Simon Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what all of this might mean. He never got a chance to ask the question, but the question was there. He was trying to make sense of what God had just revealed to him. He was trying to make sense of what this reality was going to look like going forward. The scriptures say that he was perplexed. He was inwardly perplexed. He was pondering this. He was thinking about all of it. And he was even asking himself the question without ever verbalizing it. What could all this mean? And he's not within the ranks of those on the day of Pentecost who were just curious onlookers. But he was a disciple. He was an apostle. He was a member of the church. And even then, he found himself asking this question, trying to make sense of life, saying, what could all this mean? I want to return to what I said a moment ago, and I want to encourage you today. The apostolic church, the church, the people of God have never been intimidated by others asking of us that question, coming to us and asking us, we see everything that's going on. What does all this mean? Can you help me make sense of everything that's going on? The church has never been intimidated by that question. And the church has never been afraid to ask that question of ourselves. Simon Peter asked it of himself there in Acts chapter 10. There are people in the church, many of us during times like this, that find ourselves searching for meaning behind the things that we see going on in life, going on in the world. I want to just help somebody today. That's normal. Don't feel condemned by your question. 
It's all right to be a little inwardly perplexed. It's all right to think and to wonder and to maybe ask within yourself, what could all, what could all this mean? And to try to make sense of what's going on around us. Because what's happening is we're all looking around and we're seeing things that are happening that have never happened before. We're seeing things we've never seen before. Perhaps you've been feeling things in the spirit that you've never dealt with before these last several weeks. And if, it, if we'd be honest, it probably leaves many of us with that same question. What could this all be about? What's going on? I want to look beyond the obvious and I want to peer a little bit deeper into the plan of God, into the actions of God. What's really going on? What does this mean for the future? Is there something I need to be doing right now? That's really the question that I believe Simon Peter had on his heart. He wasn't asking just for the sake of curiosity, just because he was a person that liked to know information. But he was asking because he was, I believe he was earnestly trying to determine, God, I see something that you're doing here all around me. I want to know what it's about. I want to know how I can engage with it. I want to know where you're leading me to, where you're leading us to. And the, the, the scriptures say, if you've got your Bible open still to Acts chapter 10, that while Peter, verse 19, while Peter thought about the vision, while Peter still held this question in his heart, in his mind, the spirit said to him, behold, these men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And what Peter did has to be what we do. Peter was attentive to the voice of the spirit. And when we're faced, when the church is faced with a question, what could all this mean? What's this all about? And we're left in a place where we're trying to make sense of life again. We have to be attentive to the voice of God. And if we will tune in to what God is speaking to us, if we'll hear the voice of the spirit like Simon Peter did then we can hear a word from God that doesn't leave us in confusion, but that will clarify what God is speaking to His church and how what He is doing in the earth around us connects to what He wants to be doing in His kingdom. Amen? There's a time to be still and to not do anything sometimes. But we find in Genesis that six out of the seven days that God was creating things, He was at work. He was doing things. And so while there is a time just to be still and wait on God and where he's not going to give you any direction or something to do, there are those moments. Six out of seven times, if we're just going by the numbers, God's active. God's doing something. And so almost always, whenever we have a moment in life where we're feeling a little bit perplexed inwardly, maybe we haven't verbalized it, but we're asking ourselves that question. Because everything seems to be getting turned upside down. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to be attentive to the voice of the Spirit. Because God will speak to His church. He will speak to you. And He will let you know what He desires for your next step to be. Acts chapter 17 is the last passage I want to turn your attention to this morning. Acts chapter 17 verse 16. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, Paul is in Athens. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. 
Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you're bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. We've seen the confused and and the curious person in Acts chapter 2 ask this question. We've seen the church, the disciple, the apostle Peter ask this question. Now here we see the skeptic ask this question. These are the smartest people in the land. These are the people that have access to all the information and all the ideas that the world had to offer. They'd already scoured the internet trying to find answers. What's going on? What's really happening behind the scenes? I see what the obvious stuff is, but I'm not a puppet. I'm not a sheep. I'm going to find, I'm going to dig down into this and I'm going to figure out what's really going on. These are the people that had scoured every resource known to man and they had heard ideas and they'd considered things. And then Paul came along preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus, preaching the resurrection. And they said, we would like to know a little bit more about what this means. There's some of you here today that you've seen it all. You've seen it all. Just however long you've been around. Maybe you've been like, maybe I don't think any of us have been through a season exactly like this one before. But maybe you've been through a season that resembles this one before. And you can remember what life was like the last time you found yourself sitting back at the end of the night and trying to make sense of everything that was going on and trying to make sense of what this reality was going to look like for your family, for your business, for your church, for everything. I can remember when I was, uh, I was in junior high school uh, in September of 2001. And I, I, I can remember, and some of you have lived through multiple series of events, global events that have left you for a season, sitting back and wondering, how's this going to play out? What's the future hold? Trying to make sense of things. And this is a new season. And God's going to give us a new answer. God's going to give us a fresh word. As much as as I wish that I could go back and use everything that the Lord spoke to the church 19 years ago, the last time it seems that we had a global event of this scale that just turned everything upside down. Or maybe you could go back even further than that in your life. As much as I wish we could go back to the last time that we faced anything remotely close to this and see what happened then and try to use the same answers that we got back then for what's going on now, that's not the way it works. We have to receive a fresh word from the Spirit. We've got to be dialed into what God is doing today. The Old Testament tells of a group of people called the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar were defined by... I'm just going to hold on to it like that. They were defined by the characteristic that they knew, they recognized the times that they were living in and they knew what to do. That was, that's all we know about them. The sons of Issachar, they recognized the times they were living in and they knew what to do. I don't believe it was because they were smarter than anybody else. 
I don't think it was because they were more educated than anybody else, because they had encountered and sifted through all the different ideas of the world, and then they finally found this one thing that was the answer. I believe it was because they were following after God. And because of that, they saw the times they were living in, and they were able to provide an answer for what needed to happen. I want you to challenge yourself today. Ask yourself, how much have you considered how God might be working in the earth and what God's plan is? These people in Acts 17, they, they had seen it all. They'd been, uh, they'd been ingesting and digesting all the information that the world had to offer. The philosophers in Athens even had a shrine to the unknown God because they were afraid in the middle of everything else they were doing of missing the one true God. They didn't want the one true God to be relegated to a footnote. And so they made this statue, this shrine to the unknown God. And we can't let, we can't let God become a footnote to us in the midst of everything that we're trying to consider, everything that we're turning to to try to make sense of life, make sense of what is going on. We've got to keep God not as a, a side statue to the unknown God. We've got to put God right in the middle of it. We don't, the church doesn't approach things the way that everyone else approaches things. We don't, we don't consider what's going on in the world the same way that all the other voices in the world are interpreting what's going on in the world. We've got to look to God, not just as one among many, many counselors, but as the only voice that can truly identify to us what's really going on. That's the message that the Apostle Paul preached to them. They asked, what could all this mean? We desire to know more about what this means. And Paul went on to tell them, he said, all these other things that you're considering, all these other things that you're looking at don't really amount to a hill of beans whenever you look at what God has to say and you recognize that Christ is God incarnate and that his spirit will speak to you and that his spirit will guide you through the uncertainties and the things you're not entirely sure of right now. That if you'll be led by the Spirit of God, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. He'll take care of your family. He'll take care of His church. And He'll do it all for His glory in the name of Jesus. What does all this mean? The church is in a season where we're trying to make sense of life. We must have one voice that we're listening for. We must listen for the voice of the Spirit. Maybe you're asking right now, Maybe you have been asking, you'll be honest with yourself, a question that's similar to the one that we see repeated over and over again in the book of Acts. I think it's repeated over and over again in the book of Acts because it's a question that comes up a lot. It's a question that comes up a lot in us today. And I bet that many of us, if not most of us, have asked ourselves some version of this question in the last several weeks. Maybe you've been, like the Apostle Paul, you've been a little inwardly perplexed. And I hope you, like Peter, have been listening for the voice of the Spirit. Let's stand this morning. Here's why I hope... Here's why I hope that we've been listening for the voice of the Spirit. Because as surely as the people of God that have been born again, have access to be able to dial in and tune into the voice of God. That's just one episode that we find in the book of Acts where someone asks this question. 
You know what happened the other two times? Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 17. The church had to make an answer for what the world was asking. They weren't intimidated by it. They weren't afraid of somebody asking them, what's your take on everything that's going on right now? They were ready with an answer. The answer wasn't a secular answer. It wasn't an answer about, well, they're implementing this policy or, well, I saw in the news today this. The first answer out of their mouth when someone asked, I'm trying to make sense of all this. Can you help me understand what this all means? The church's answer was the gospel. The church's answer was what the spirit had been speaking to them. Church, perhaps more than any other time that we've been around, we must experience the voice of God for ourselves. We must. Let's lift up our hands right now because I believe God can speak to us right now. I believe he can both address some things that you've been dealing with and minister to you just in a moment right now. That's it. Lift up your voice. And I believe that the spirit can begin to address your uncertainties and start to address your anxieties about what's going on and what you've been experiencing. And I believe in the very next step, God can equip you and God can empower you. And God can give you the boldness and the wisdom and the words to say to be a minister in your family, at your workplace, in your neighborhood, whenever you're talking to your neighbor this week, whenever you're at the workplace and you're starting to have one of those conversations that maybe you've already been having, that the Holy Ghost wants to speak something into your spirit right now, wants to empower you, wants to embolden you, wants to create in you a witness, wants to stir up that spirit of evangelism in you right now, where we're not just repeating the talking points that the world is pumping out into the airwaves, but we've got a voice that we've been dialed into. We've got a word from God. We've got a ministering word for somebody. We've got a word of encouragement. Would you lift up your hands right now and just reach for that right now if that's your desire. God, I want to be an encourager. God, I want to be a witness. God, I want to be a friend to somebody. I want to minister to somebody. I want to make a disciple. I want to win a soul, God. I want to comfort somebody, not through any giftings of my own, but because you've spoken some things into my spirit, because I've been listening to you. I've been in your presence, God. I've been in your word. I've been in my time in prayer. And you've opened some things up to my understanding. You've started to put things together in my life, God. You've started to minister to me about what all this means. And I've got an answer, God. I've got an answer and I'm not intimidated by what's going on in the world. I'm not intimidated by even the questions of what's happening in our world today. But I'm welcoming those questions. I'm inviting those kind of conversations because I recognize what they can be. I recognize what they can be in the name of Jesus. What that really is, is that's God opening up a door of evangelism. That's God opening up a door of ministry to you. There's people that are trying to make sense of life right now. The church has the answer. You have the answer. We have to be attentive to the voice of the Spirit. We have to be walking and exercising our faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you lift up your hands one more time as our pastor comes? Would you just make a commitment right now? 
I'm not going to shrink away from the questions of life. I'm going to find myself in the presence of God. I'm going to engage as many people as I can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to answer the call to be an apostolic disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to take it upon myself to share the gospel and to share my testimony and to be a witness with any person that I have an open door with. I'm going to win a soul. I'm going to make a disciple. In Jesus' name.